Hey, good morning. Good morning on this uh, Sunday, Sunday morning. Uh, I hope you guys are doing great as time goes on and this year continues to move forward. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday was last Sunday and uh, Tommy Boy and the GOAT, he, uh, he made uh, another spectacular uh, showing. And uh, poor Patrick Mahomey um, got a little humbled. And uh, I think that's okay. But uh, we'll wait till next year. The Bills will be right back in it, in the mix again. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the world is in a crisis. And we're talking about uh, survival tools that we're going to need for our toolkit in our spiritual lives as we live on this earth in crisis. And um, when we talk about crisis, or I mentioned crisis, it's, it's a lot of things going on. Not just, um, not just the violence in cities in America and what's happening in Washington and, and uh, the hate toward the past president. Um, but, but even in the world, uh, wars and calamities and um, things that are going on that the Bible kind of warned us about in the end. That in the end times, these things would begin to happen. And so... We live in a world in crisis, and, and the biggest culprit of the crisis isn't wars and guns. It's really uh, sin. It's sin. Sin is the root of all the evil that we face in this world. So every temptation, every, every uh, longing to do something rebellious toward God is a result of sin. It all is rooted and stems from sin. And so we have our toolkit that we're putting together for 2021. Okay, that's what we're trying to do is build this survival kit of tools. And so I have a little survivor uh, kit here with me. I wanted to show you a couple things from here. This is a cool little kit I bought. It's a little box, fits in your car. You can take it wherever you go. It's got all kinds of cool stuff in it. I don't know if you can see this stuff or not. It's got a, it's got a blanket an emergency blanket that's um, like made out of tinfoil or something. In here, it's got um, all kinds of crazy uh, things. It's got a flashlight uh, that you could use. It's got uh, a nice knife in it. It's got a carabiner. It's got a little string. It's got a spoon and uh, a spork, it's called, we used to use these in school. Uh, that's uh, in the kit. It's got um, all kinds of cool stuff, knives and screwdrivers, and it comes with some wicks, and it even comes with a little fishing line. And uh, me and the boys, uh, Stevie Nepo's house, we'll be doing some fishing. In fact, we're doing it right uh, this next week. And so uh, fishing stuff. and. Um, other things like that. It's even got a little saw. It's got a, a flexible saw that you can cut a piece of wood and it's got a compass in it so you can figure out what direction you need to go. But it's a, it's a, it's a survivor kit. And also I'm wearing this uh, bracelet uh, here on my arm. It's a survivor bracelet that uh, somebody made. It's a cool little deal as well. It's got a compass on it. It's got a whistle on it. It's got a, a striker, this little thing. You strike this, you strike that enough, and it'll start to, um, let's see if I can get one to happen here. 
burn the church building down. It's starting to get through to this. Um, see that spark? Yeah, so, so you can throw a spark onto some brush, start a little fire, and then this whole thing comes apart. And it's like 25 feet of string, a rope you could use to, um, to uh, medically, you could use it as a tourniquet, or um, you could use it to uh, make a tent or hold up a stick or whatever, that kind of thing. Survival kind of things. And, and, and in our spiritual life, the same is true. We, we need survival tools in our lives that we can rely on and draw on. And survival tools are kind of cool because typically they're like small objects, but you can do a multiple, uh, multitude of things with them. And that's what makes them really handy. But they, they, gotta, they gotta be able to travel with you. You gotta be able to take them where you go, wherever you go. And so we're talking about uh, things that we wanna put in our spiritual survival kit as we continue to move through 2021 and beyond and whatever's going to come our way this year. And so um, we just spent 14 weeks on the topic of prayer and what prayer does and what prayer is. And, and prayer is one of those key survival tools that we need to make it through this world. So, so don't leave home without prayer in your toolkit. And last week we mentioned that faith, faith is another key tool that we need to have in our survival kit. You know, as we travel along, as we, as we go down the road of life in this crazy crisis driven world that's going in the opposite direction of godliness and the things of God, you're going to need a toolkit. You're going to need your spiritual toolkit. And in that kit, you're going to need prayer. You're going to need faith. And today, in that toolkit, you're going to want love. You're going to need love in your toolkit. When it comes to being a child of God's and living according to the ways and the will and the word of God, you are going to need this tool in your, in your, in your bag. Love. And I want to share with you just four truths about love and our survival, okay? And how love plays a key part in, in our ability and the power of God in our life to survive, okay? And so the first thing is this. First thing is this. Love conquers evil. And that's why we've got to have love in our, in our uh, toolkit, We've got to have it with us in our spiritual survival kit because love conquers evil. Now, here's what I mean by that. Um, we are commanded in the scriptures uh, to overcome evil with good. The scripture tells us that we're to overcome evil. In fact, Romans 12 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. So, so our weapon, our weapon is good. And, and our weapon is the love of God, which is good, that will overcome evil. Paul says this in, in Romans 12, do not repay, verse 17, he says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Okay, that's not how we're supposed to be living. You know, in the Old Testament, somebody punched you, you could punch them back. 
They poke out your eye, you can poke out their eye. But Jesus came and said, that's what it says in the Old Testament, but Jesus said, then I tell you. And he gave us a new command, and his new command is love. And so then Paul goes on to write about this new commandment in Jesus, and he says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. He says, but leave room for God's wrath. Let God deal with people. If somebody wrongs you, you know, work through it, get over it, move on, and know. God's going to take care of that. He knows what's going on. He'll deal with that situation. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So on the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, my mom used to say a lot of things, but one of the things she used to say is, is something along these lines. Just heap coals on their head. And, and for a while, you know, young kid, I, I didn't know what that meant. But the older I get, the more I see this. This is the attitude of Jesus, that, that we are to love. We're to repay evil with good. We are to treat people who mistreat us with love. We're, we're supposed to do the exact opposite in a better way, in a, in a higher morality way, in a God's economy way toward people who are not kind to us. And then he says in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, this verse, but overcome evil with good. And so in our tool bag, we have love. And love conquers evil. Jesus demonstrated the power of love by defeating the most powerful evil attack ever committed on this planet. In Jesus' ministry, in, in his ministry, he was attacked and he was persecuted. Every miracle that Jesus performed was his demonstration of his power over sin and the effects of sin on mankind. He demonstrated that his power and his love conquers even the evils of disease and sickness and blindness and death. His arrest, his suffering, his crucifixion, and his death was all designed and carried out by the devil along with wicked people, but it was all designed to see evil conquer good. That's what the devil was up to. At the cross, Satan smiled because he thought that evil had finally overcome good. And for a moment, he smiled. He thought that he had defeated the Son of God. He thought that he had defeated the power of God's love. But then Jesus reversed the curse. His power ruled. His love destroyed the power of the evil one, right? And the devil's greatest weapon, death, was not enough was not enough to keep Jesus 
down or to conquer Jesus and God's love. Jesus is victorious and by his stripes, you and I are healed and by his blood, our sins are washed away, they're cleansed. And in his name, we can take our stand in this world of crisis. Only in Jesus, only in God's love, can we conquer the evils of the world. So the attacks that are coming your way, the attacks that you feel in this world, whether they're from people or from the system or just from life in general, they're designed for the most part to tear you up, to hurt your heart and to get you down. They are coming from the enemy. That's where they're coming from. The root of all evil is sin, which has been created by Satan, by the enemy. And love is the key to conquest. Love is the key that will overcome the world, overcome evil with good. The power of God's love is powerful in battle and will destroy any form of of evil. Number two, number two, love drives out fear. Maybe your Bible says love casts out fear. Love takes fear, whatever the fear might be, and it throws it away. It pushes it out. Love overcomes it. Love eliminates it. Love gets rid of it in your heart and in your mind. Fear has to do like with being powerless or being beat down, or being uh, 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 oppressed, fear. Fear has to do with these things. Lacking confidence. Fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with defeat. Jesus came to cancel out the oppression upon all of mankind. Sin had a stranglehold on all of us, and now in Jesus, there is a counter move to that stranglehold, right? The devil no longer has a hold on us. Love has driven out fear. So in uh, 1 John chapter 4, John writes, and look what he says. He says, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Did you see that? Now we know, do you know? Do we know? Do we know the extent of God's love? I would say, we probably don't know the full extent. We're, we might be, hopefully we're growing in our knowledge of God's love because it is high and low and deep and wide. It, it's so big. His, his love is so vast and it's so deep. And, and to know his love and to grow in the knowledge of his love is an, is an ongoing uh, uh, work in our life, in our heart, in our mind, to know the love of God. Uh, John says, and so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. See, that love is the thing that's gonna get us through. That love that we know that God has for us and that we're gonna bank on and rely upon is the love that's going to help us conquer whatever may come our way, whatever it is. We've got a prayer wall over here and on that prayer wall, all kinds of things. Every one of you, hopefully, that are listening today, or, or tuning in, you are on our wall. 
for whatever reason is going on in your life, whatever maybe I know about or somebody knows about, they have put you on that wall and people are praying for you. There is going to come a breakthrough. The love that you know from God and the love that you're hanging on to and relying upon in God is going to see you through, however that plays out, according to God's will. We're just going to trust that, right? That's what we're going to do. Whoever lives in love lives in God. Love and God, inseparable. They are the same. And God in them. You live in love, you live in God, and God lives then in you. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Wow, a lot there about love and fear and punishment and confidence and trusting God and relying on his love. See, the love of God has the power to crush everything and anything that will ever set itself up against you or me. And this is why the gospel is the answer to the world in crisis. All of the world's problems can be solved in the gospel, in the love of God, in God's love. We find the remedy for every issue and for every person. When God's love, uh, when God's love is allowed to have its way in us, and when God's will is followed by each and every soul, then everybody, every person will find their place in God's perfect plan. If we would only seek the face of God, the problem is many will not. Many want to be their own God or follow after their own ways. And so as long as that is going on as long as the enemy has been allowed to deceive people and cause them to wander away from the truth of the love of God, there will always be a, a world in crisis around us. We will always live in this. Heaven, heaven is that place where everyone is focused on the will and the ways and the love of God. That's what makes heaven, heaven is that God is the focus and everyone is lined up under his authority. And because of that, it's heaven. And because that's not the case on earth, we are not in heaven. And there will always be unrest and no peace and there will be no comfort in this place outside of Jesus. In this world, there will be crisis. Fear must be defeated. See, fear in our life that causes us to not do things that we should do or to be afraid because we're not able to, to do something or master something or we're afraid to even try, the fears of our own lives must be defeated. And courage, courage is the weapon of choice. When you and I, and we're going to talk about courage another week, but courage Courage is that strength, that inner strength that we have that causes us to do what we are most afraid of doing. Courage is the weapon of choice. But here's the thing. If there were nothing to fear, if there was nothing to fear in this world, 
If we didn't have fear, then there would be no need for courage. And so here's the truth. Fear gives birth to courage. Because of fear, we now have to have courage. And courage is, is, a, is a, a cousin of love. Courage comes from the sense of, of confidence that, that I'm going to, even though it's scaring me to death, I'm going to face it. I'm going to walk right through it. I'm going to try it anyway. And that's the power of love and courage that is going to cause us to begin to conquer fear. But here's the thing. Fear gives birth to courage. In other words, without fear, you don't, there's no need for courage. But because of fear, we now have to muster up courage and then love, love, love. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Anyhow, put that in your pipe and uh, let's move on. Number three, number three, love overcomes a multitude of sins. And so love overcomes evil, perfect love drives out or casts out fear. And number three, love overcomes a multitude of sins. See, love has to do with grace and forgiveness and patience and acceptance, okay? Acceptance, that's a, that's a big word in our world right now in our country, the idea of tolerance and acceptance and equality and equity and new terms that are coming out of nowhere to try to, to try to, to try to help us all just get along and love each other and accept one another. Now, I'm not talking about the acceptance of sin. This is part of the problem of this country right now. We're not talking about, we're not talking about accepting sinful living. See, that's the, that's the problem. We are not called to call good evil and evil good as the world would like us to do. That's what's causing the tension. That's what's causing a world in crisis, is a world of people that don't care about the ways and the will and the truths of God. And they want to just do whatever they want and be an all-anything-goes all, world. That's what we want. We want, we want to make America California, right? That's what we want, to just be able to do whatever, whatever we want. And nobody should be able to stand up and say, the word of God says this, or God says we are to live like this, or there are morals, or there are sin. The world doesn't want to hear that from us. That's why there will always be this unrest. And that's why this world will always be a world in crisis, because we have turned away from God. We have turned away from the truths of God. We have turned away from the ways of God. We have removed them from the, 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 um, the, 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 the county and the city square. We have moved them out of our lives. And we are trying desperately, there's, a, if there's an evil attack, to desperately remove them from our homes and from everything about our lives to silence those who try to speak for truth and right. And so there will never be peace in this world as long as that is what's going on. We're not called to accept sin, but we are called to love. We are certainly called to love people in spite of their shortcomings or their weaknesses or their brokenness because all of us have problems. We are all sinners, right? We're all sinners. We've all messed up. 
We, we need to be willing to accept one another in love. Like we are all in need of grace. We're all in need of the grace of God, God's amazing and powerful grace. In 1 Peter, Peter writes and he says, the end of all things is near. And that's, that's a truth that Peter wrote 2,000 years ago, but is more real today than it was the day he wrote it. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert. Be of sober mind so that you may pray. You know, I, th I think what Peter's speaking to here for us today is this. Is, is we, when, we, when we chose to follow God, when we chose in our life as a Christian person to say, you know what, the, 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 the cross before me, the world behind me, you know, that, that, that attitude where I'm going to follow Jesus, then, then there are decisions that we'll make along the way that we have to be willing to make. And that is to, to indulge in the things of the world or not indulge in the things of the world. To, to participate in the things of the world that we know are not in line with God or, or not to participate in the things of the world because we're trying to honor God with our lives. And there are tough decisions that have to be made. And the gratification things that we talked about in our study last night on Wednesday night, uh, or this past Wednesday night, uh, uh, in our Core 52 book about holiness is that the problem is we want gratification now. And, and many, most of the times in our spiritual walk, gratification comes later. And we don't like to wait for that. We want to have the pleasure now. We want it our way, right? Like Burger King, right? We want it our way and we want it now. And so what Peter's saying here is be alert and be sober-minded, like stay in Christ. Stay on the path of Jesus. Don't veer off to chase after the pleasures of this world. Keep your head on straight. Stay on the path, the narrow one. Don't jump off on the wide one that leads to destruction. Stay right there. Be sober-minded. Why? So that you can stay in communication with God, so you can pray, so you can talk to him and, and hear him and listen to him. Like, so you can be right with God, not just right with God, but in tune with God. When you jump off into the things of this world, all kinds of static begins to happen. And prayer is not something that you begin to do. You, you begin to wander away from prayer. And even when you do pray, there's a lot of static going on because you're too involved in the stuff, the mud of the world the crises of the world. Verse 80 says, above all, love each other deeply. And here it is, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Did you get that? See, first, God's love covers over all my sin, right? The love of God covers all of my sin. And there's a huge long list that God is washed away and only God alone can forgive sin. Because first and foremost, my sin has offended God. No matter what I do to other people, and I do offend people, I am first of all offending the creator who made all of us. And so my sin first uh, offends God. 
And so God's forgiveness for me, his love covers over a multitude of my sin. But then our ability, the result of that is then my ability to extend grace and love to other people, that produces healing as well. Because our, offend, our sin not only offends God, but it usually offends somebody else. Our children, our wives, our husbands, our friends, our family, somebody's gotten offended by things that I have said or things that I have done. How many of us have family members who don't speak with each other because of things that they have said and feelings that were hurt? How many of you have friends that are no longer your friends because of hard feelings. See, every one of us, every one of us can think of people in our life that there is friction between or a wall has been built because they have either offended us or we have offended them. And guess what? Asking for forgiveness is so very difficult. Probably one of the devil's greatest weapons is to keep people from saying the two hardest words in the English language, which are, I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry. We don't, we don't say that very well. And, and we've all been on both sides of that where somebody should be apologizing to us or we should be apologizing to somebody. We all know what it's like to be on both sides of that. Asking for forgiveness is difficult. But when spoken... When we speak those words, a weight is lifted and a sense of freedom comes in and a multitude of wrongs are washed away. First in God's grace and then in the relationships with others. Love covers a multitude of sins. And the last thing is this, love overcomes all things. Love overcomes all things. In a world of brokenness and pain and sin and evil, God has given us, he has truly given us lots of weapons, but he has given us the greatest weapon of all. And no matter the occasion, no matter the offense, no matter the sin, no matter the situation, the truth is the antidote. This truth about love is the antidote to it all. You just think about that. You think about how love overcomes anything. Whatever may happen, love, your exercising of love, your ability to muster up an attitude of forgiveness and grace and love will overcome anything. It doesn't mean that you're okay with what happened to you. It just simply means that you're gonna choose to love. That has got to be not only the greatest weapon that we have from God in our survival kit, but it is one of the most difficult things to do because we're really good at holding grudges and we're really good at striking back and we're really good at being mad. You know, sometimes we feed on being mad. Like we almost look for fights. We almost look for a fight just so we can be mad because we like that. We like the competition of that somehow. It's weird, isn't it? 
But this love is a powerful truth and a powerful weapon. Love is, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy and it does not boast. It's not arrogant and it's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Now that's, that's a battle that I fight, right? Because we all want things our way. We want it to be done the way we think it ought to be done. That is a battle of life for all of us. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Isn't that amazing? That's love. That's that 1 Corinthians 13 that we hear read at every wedding that we will ever go to because it's about love. It's about people. It's about God. This is God's love for you and me. And then he says, extend that love to the world around us because in the end, love will truly cover all things. We come to the end of that section in, in 1 Corinthians 13 and you remember the line, it says this, verse 13, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest, far greater than anything else, far more powerful than anything else, able to leap high buildings in a single bound, like that kind of power, the ability to get over and overcome anything with a huge amount of strength to overcome whatever may come your way. The greatest of these, he says, is love. It's love. The greatest of these is love. Love, love. Now let me be clear. I'm not talking about mushy, wimpy, doormat love. I'm not talking about the kind of love that just, just falls apart and has no backbone, has no sense of direction or confidence or truth-driven. I'm not, I'm not talking about an anything-goes kind of love where we just accept every, everything known to man and any sin that man can think up. I'm not talking about that kind of love. And you don't have to go very far in the scriptures to see the tough love of God and his discipline, especially when you think about how God disciplined Israel as his child and how God talks about his tough love. Love is not mushy and, and gooey and slimy and sexy and romantic. This love of God is a love from God that hates Sin despises sin and evil, but loves the sinner, that loves the people. And it's that ability to sort those two things out. Like, like I hate what the world is doing, but we must love the people of the world because they have been made in the image of God. And so I'm called to love them just like God loves me and everyone else. He loves us. He loves us. The world is in crisis. The world is in a crisis. And if we are to survive the evil, deceitful, and ungodliness of this planet, 
then we're gonna need some tools. We're gonna need some survival tools in our survival kit. And the one that we need probably more than anything else, we need prayer and we need faith. And we're gonna talk about a couple more in the weeks to come, but today, today in your survival kit, in your survival kit among your saw, your little compass, your little compass, your little fishing hook, and, and a couple weights, and your, your wicks to light the fire, and uh, this tool that will break a window and uh, is a pen, and among all the other things that are necessary in a survival in a survival kit in the wilderness, as we walk through the wilderness in our spiritual life, as we walk on this planet, we are going to need this key tool called love. The love, the love of God. God's amazing love. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you so much. And we pray that you would help us, God, in our own lives to be able to love even when everything else is coming against us. Even when things aren't going our way, what we would like to be done in our lives, in our body, in our mind, in our, in our walk, in our jobs, in our friendships, in our relationships, God. Even when all those things are not going the way we would like them to go, Father, may the power of your love overcome everything in us that sets itself up against you. Help us to love to overcome the evils of this world. Help us, God, to love, that we would drive out fear. Help us, God, to love, because love covers a multitude of wrongs. And God, help us to love, because love overcomes everything. And we need you, God. You are love. We need you in our life. May the world seek you. May we as a nation, God, seek your face. We need you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for each one listening in. I pray that you'll draw us close to you and bless our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. God bless.